Well, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hula La. Uh, today we have a very special guest for our first interview of the season, and she is a true expert when it comes to all things Doctor Who. She is the co-founder of the Time Ladies, created to give female Doctor Who fans a safe and welcoming space in the Who community. And let me tell you, this Time Lady knows more about Doctor Who than most. Exactly. She is also the author of the Doctor Who quiz book, the definitive question book for a Whovian, whether you grew up on long scarves or jelly babies or a pinstripe soup and converse. She was also a member of the Time team for Doctor Who magazine, where she shares her insights and opinions on the show. She's also written several articles for Radio Times covering a multitude of Who topics. So get ready for an exciting discussion on all things Doctor Who with our brilliant guest today, the one and only Beth Axford. <laughs> you guys just made me sound really cool. So thanks Yeah, for that. you are cool. <laughs> <laughs> They're all you. How are you, Beth? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, I'm really tired because <laughs> the clocks went forward and now I'm oh, just confused. But yeah, I'm good, thank you. I mean, the sun's yeah. out, so I can't complain. <laughs> this is literally the first, it's the first day in, I can't remember how long, that there was actually like a minute bit of sun. So I feel like we're all suddenly sucking it in. 6 I know, with it feels sun. like such a change. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nice. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. We are very excited to have you with us on Hulala. You're our first proper interview, which, I mean, couldn't ask for a better guest. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and yeah, just to chat to you. I mean, I just like chatting to you guys anyway. Like, I think you're great. So this is <laughs> Well, this is, the, I mean, I'm so excited. So uh, we first met Beth at the Gallifrey Cabaret, which is a few weeks ago now, which is just this huge, I mean, we've already spoken about it on the podcast, this huge night of like queer cabaret, uh, Doctor Who fans and alcohol. And it was just like, I, I mean, how did you, I, it was the best night for me. Yeah. It is just the best, isn't it? And we ended up in a Cyberman competition which like normally I'm quite apprehensive to volunteer for stuff like that but my friend Neve just looked at me and I looked at them and I was like I'm just gonna have to do it so but also I didn't realize I was up against you guys till like halfway through and I was like oh god it's the who love our guys like, oh my god. <laughs> they're back and being against you um but yeah it's always such a good it's like the best Doctor Who thing to go to I think and I've been to like many a Doctor Who thing mm -hmm. and it's the most uh special and like safe space i think yeah like it's very, yeah very safe so safe so positive so silly as well like <laughs> and and just such a ridiculous night we like like we said before we both had our non-doctor who boyfriends with us and they still had such a good time and they were like girl i don't know what is going on but this is a good time that makes mm -hmm. it funnier though they don't know what's yeah. going on every so often i tap them on the shoulder and i'd be like this is funny because kylie minogue played astrid and that's why they're doing a cut and they'd be like yeah yeah it's fine we got it it's fine <laughs> yeah we got it this is funny because the absorb love then the pavement and oh yeah i mean like yeah. how do you explain that <laughs> yeah. trying to explain the absorb love holding the paper with ursula in the pavement while oh lip syncing to chasing pavements was something else yeah i mean i don't even know how you begin to explain that to someone like what do you, like what <laughs> without having seen the episode that's the most unexplainable thing is that was that your first Gallifrey Cabaret or did you go yeah to the other we've one? not been before yeah, first one yeah so I mean like there's not I think I've only seen one act like more than once do the same thing like normally it's very very different every time and mm. do a lot of different activities they always do competitions and it just means it's really fun for like everyone in the room for yeah. whatever reason they, they try to cover like all eras of Doctor Who that's something else that I find really special because Sometimes you can go to Doctor Who things and you know that you might be the only Jodie Whisker fan in the room or mm. like a lot of people are very open about their dislike for it. Whereas at Gallifrey Cabaret, it's like, I don't think there's really much room to just be hateful about anything. 
and oh, they always no. cover like all eras if possible and they make jokes at the right expense Do you know what I mean like it's mm-hmm. just like a really nice place to be and I've never felt like oh they made a yeah yeah basking in a shared love of who and all of its silliness I think yeah and I think that the whole show is ridiculous right it's like objectively ridiculous <laughs> so yeah I think I there's no point taking any bit too serious I know I was watching a compilation video yesterday my housemate put on a I don't know why uh, just a video of like best or two moments that people had picked from Twitter or something and I they, as they were going through it I was like, this makes Doctor Who look like a really bad show. And my partner was like, this is a really bad show. We all just sat there like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait, this, this isn't good. Like, it's just, it's like, it's not bad. <laughs> I think it's just the most absurd thing. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm all here for it. But like when you put it pen to paper and you're like, okay, so there's this like thousands of year old alien and they're in a box and they fly around having seedly adventures that are almost always in Cardiff recently anyway. And it's yeah. just the most absurd thing on paper. But what drew you to the show? What like got you into the show? I think it was Billy Piper, to be honest. <laughs> like, yes. It was just Billy Piper. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I I, remember seeing a bit of Aliens of London on TV. Like it was um, just on the background mm. at my auntie's house. And it was the scene at the end where Savine pins someone up against the wall, like one of the politicians. Um, and... I remember seeing that and then like didn't really know what it was and I was like oh my god what is this and then and then it ended and then I forgot about it because I was like you know eight and I just <laughs> was like yeah I'll remember that one day <laughs> and then I caught a little bit of the regeneration I was like what the hell is going on I love Rose so much forgot about it again completely <laughs> and then I don't know my memory's quite hazy but like I went what really got me into it was that I had gone my mum picked me up after school we went to like the corner shop where they had a million different magazines and she was like oh like as a treat like you know didn't happen often but like as a treat you can pick whatever magazine you want and like mm. out of all of them for some reason I mean this was like a news agent with a lot of magazines like a, it's not really the same now when you go into like a corner shop mm-hmm. but like it was a corner mm-hmm. shop that just did every magazine and I just for some reason picked the Doctor Who 2005 sticker book and I can't remember whether I rem- whether I like remembered the characters and knew what it was that I'd picked up but like in my brain, I don't remember knowing what it was. I just remember being like, I want that. Mm-hmm. And then I read it cover to cover. I read like every single word over and over and over, like because the sticker book covered, I think, every story from Rose to like Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel, maybe. Nice. Um, and I was like, I have to watch this now. Like I know mm-hmm. everything about, and I love Rose. I think it was like, I remember seeing Rose on the cover and be like, like Rose, like I want it for her. And then I, and then I, yeah, I think I switched on my first episode was like school reunion, I think. Like that's when I was like, I'm going to watch this show and I know what time it's on and I'm going to watch it at that time. <laughs> and yeah, and then I just like never stopped watching it. That's basically. a fantastic start as well. School reunion is a great place to jump in. You couldn't in, really jump in in a bad place. I know. And sometimes I worry that I've got it wrong. And I'm like, was it Tooth and Claw? But I don't think it was. I'm pretty sure it was school reunion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tooth and Claw is impressive. I also know the exact sticker book you're talking about. It was the one with David and Billy and then behind was like a regenerating Christopher Eccleston, right? Yeah. That photo of Billy would grab my attention as well. Like I, it was such a great sticker book. Yeah. She's just like such an icon. And I think I must've remembered her from the, like, I think I must've remembered her vaguely. I don't really mm. know. Like the she story's was... so hazy, but like, yeah, in my head, I was like, saw this sticker book, didn't really know what it was, but I knew that I wanted it. And then I read it. So it's almost like I read about all the adventures before I'd even really seen them. And then I remember like going into Tesco the next week after school reunion and begging my mum to get me Doctor Adventures that had like the TARDIS <laughs> on the front of it. Like I have such clear memories of that. 
contain it's funny as well because like there's so little else you remember from your life at the age of eight or nine right like yeah. I can't tell you anything I did in school like at that time really you have such few memories and it's funny that like Doctor Who is such a standout thing that just like stamped itself on us but I've got Billy over my shoulder I mean I've I know, got, I keep uh, it. it's, I know. Really it's, it, it's this great picture like for anyone who can't see this it's a picture of her from this Guardian photo shoot a few months back yeah it's I know such a slay picture of her it looks so good I cut it out from the newspaper and put it in a frame oh my God, but I have crazy. to keep angling my laptop and I'm on a work call because it looks really seductive <laughs> in any yeah. other context where you don't know it's Billy Piper yeah you're like what is that in the background it kind of actually if, if you don't know who that is it kind of looks like a boy band member from the early 2000s yeah. as with well. the curtains <laughs> the curtains right yeah yeah I know exactly what in the sticker book the sticker book like is it episode descriptions and stickers is that it was what? amazing it was amazing yeah. yeah I don't know if you remember Sam but it was like they had and I had one I had one in front of me recently because one of my friends had theirs out and I must get mine for my mum's when I eventually might go through all my stuff that's still there but um I think it was like the doctor Rose Tyler and then like every episode so and then it would have bits in between kind of similar to how the annual is now set out Mm-hmm. Where it covers every episode but I think it was like description of every episode and then stickers that match the episode so I have a load of them in my house at the moment because me and my friend Crystal did a video for her YouTube recently where we like unbox them unpack mm-hmm. them whatever you call it and some of them were just like why is this a sticker um <laughs> but then you remember that it's like it was episode by episode um you'd have like characters and then what they did I think they brought one out every year till like 2011. So they had one for series five, but not for series six. Mm -hmm. And when it would come out would be like right at the beginning of the series. So like the series three one, I think covered from Idiot's Lantern to like the middle of the next series. Do you know what I mean? It was always like, because it came out around Mm -hmm. the same time as the series started. So it'd be like almost like a weird halfway point. Um, but it's always really cool because I, I kind of remember during RTD1, it's so weird not to just call it like the RTD. Era, I know, RTD1, right? RTD1, but I remember there were so many things where like they just hit the merch at the right time so that like they'd get you excited for those episodes that were coming up by putting it in the sticker book or they had a book called The Inside Story. That was an amazing book mm. about the behind the scenes of series one and two. And they had a preview for series three in the back of it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like that's just not so, I mean, I really hope they start doing that again now, but it's actually something that I kind of forgot they used to do that yeah. because people would interact with the merch, the website, mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. all together. And it was all one thing that I have really caught. And like you were just saying about having those weird core cool memories, you just, you were just like, you don't remember anything from school. The only school things I remember are because of Doctor Who. Yeah. Like I can exactly tell the same. Things in my life, like I remember yeah. going on a school trip in year five. I nearly said series five then. In year five, <laughs> and the only reason I really remember this trip was because it was between Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead, and I like, came back and I had to miss one of them, and like it was like ah. <laughs> I literally I, I always make jokes with my family because I I'm assuming similar to you like Doctor Who kid through and through I date like big events in my life as to what Doctor Who episode was coming out around that time so my mum will be like oh do you remember when we like went to so-and-so auntie's birthday and it was a beach party and I'm like yes I do because Forest of the Dead was coming out then uh or like do you remember this <laughs> yeah. and I'm like oh yeah I do because New Earth was coming out then and we were talking about the new uh, the series and stuff and I literally use it as a calendar I, I do as well. And like me and my housemate always talk about this because he'll, he'll be like, oh yeah, I remember my auntie's birthday in Ireland and I had to watch Into the Dalek under a bed. And I'm just like, how do we, 
I mean, like, it's it's great. I mean, my memory's also really bad. Like, I don't really understand why I remember stuff like that. Mm, you know, it must just be like this formative thing where there's something you care about so much that yeah, you just remember. you keep going back over it. We're going to be elderly yeah. and they're going to put on old episodes <laughs> of Pooh for us. They're going to have to, like, dig it out. There'll be no DVD players left at that eight. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh... I actually think I could tell you where I was for every single episode of New Who. Like, mm. I can tell you where I watched almost mm. all of them. That is a talent. That is a talent. And I think the thing is, like you were saying with the sticker book, this was before a time when we had our phones. This is even pre, like, iPlayer, I want to say, when maybe, like, series, like, one, two, three were coming out. And the reason I love, like, the sticker book's a really great example is that I would then bring it away on holiday with me. There was also, I don't know if you had it, the book of the scripts of series one. And I would, like, go away with it. And that would be my way of, like consuming that media when it wasn't on tv because when it wasn't on tv unless you like recorded it to vhs you couldn't go back to it so i would then have the sticker book and i'd be on holiday and like filling it in and reminding myself like oh the celine episode and exactly like you said like you'd get excited for the episodes coming up they'd have like the same amount i think in the next time trailer for the next season like they'd have like the screenshots and stuff from that and they could tease it and it was just such a great way to like keep in touch with the show when it wasn't on yeah yeah it's weird because i guess we just wouldn't really i mean look who knows what they're gonna do with the next era but now I mean we just like everything's so accessible and I still really love reading Doctor Who media and reading Doctor Who books but like nobody I know really does like everyone mm. remembers books from that RTD one but like mm-hmm. no none of my friends I mean like most of my friends Doctor Who fans and like nobody really reads the books like I do and I'm like but mm-hmm. all like the behind the scenes and all that is like because I guess the show is so accessible and the fandom is mm. so accessible now through yeah. online stuff that we don't really have that that way of consuming them and like you know like how generations before us had the target books I was trying to think of when the first series was where like it transitioned over from what we're saying about like consuming Mm -hmm. it outside of watching it and it was probably around Matt Smith's era actually like when everything was online I can think of an example of when the switch was do you remember they had for the series five behind the scenes I think they'd stopped doing Maybe Confidential had moved to being online. I might have got that wrong. But they definitely had Charlie McDonnell. She was Charlie So Cool like. And they had her do the behind the scenes with Matt Smith. And the badger. Charlie's badger. When she gave the badger. badger. Mm-hmm. And Charlie was inside a red Dalek at one point as well. Oh, there was something going yeah. on there. So I think they'd recognized that it was kind of the, the YouTube generation kind of up and coming then. And I think that must be where they started to follow the fans was on yeah. YouTube maybe. God, you mm-hmm. just like unlock, you know, when like you just, someone unlocks the memory and you're like, God, I forgot that happened. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, because I remember watching Charlie since maybe like 2007. Oh, that, was, that was my introduction to, you, to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Was Charlie. Oh my God. Sorry. They were like one of the OG yeah. YouTubers. How I mean, to make yeah. tea. Yeah. That was yeah. the video I saw. It's how to yeah, make a cup oh of tea. Oh my God. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, like, and then when they started doing Doctor Who stuff and like Chameleon Circuit and all of that sort of thing, mm. I just remember being like, oh, this is like, it's so weird. Like these, the, it, they really were transitioning into the YouTube generation. Mm, mm. Oh, that's so weird that you just unlock, like, you know, you just get like an unlocked memory. I forgot that that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember on Comedian Circuit did one of the music videos for the TARDIS set in like 2013? Mm-hmm. In Matt Smith's TARDIS, yeah. Don't need to be talking about most of the members of Comedian Circuit. <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> um, it was cool that they got to do that. So interesting to see how it's changed, isn't it? And like how how like our core memories are around physical media yeah but like mm-hmm. you know i guess like generations just under us probably wouldn't maybe have that as much no. like yeah no. i hope that yeah i hope they do still do physical media stuff for this new era like i, I, I know they're probably yeah i think they're probably going to want to do a lot of like online stuff because obviously that's yeah. where the world is at but um mm. 
Yeah. I choose to believe that physical media is making a heavy comeback, but I don't know if that's based on any data apart from me really liking it. So it could just be all in my head. Sadly. I think you're bringing yeah. in the move into physical media with the amount that you're getting. <laughs> yeah. It's it just will definitely be like a nostalgia thing, right? Because, you know, yes. we've got, I think that everything from before about 2010 is really coming back into fashion. Mm-hmm. And I think people are, people are like slowly realizing like, you know, the connection we have with like physical media or like how much better for you it is to read a book rather than be on the computer all day and stuff like that mm-hmm. I think it'll be a nostalgia thing like how record players came back it'll mm-hmm. be like CD players and I mean like I don't know if you've seen but like lots of pop artists bring out their albums on like cassettes yeah and sell mm-hmm. them their website. Like, it is it's definitely a thing like people want to own stuff they yeah. care about yeah. I think there's a lot of that because I think all the media we own now well we don't own any of it right that's the point you <laughs> kind of rent access to it you stream yeah. everything and I think people like to feel that they have something that's kind of their copy of it it's tangible knowing that you've got to like you know even your copy of the sticker book is still at home with your yeah. mom you know is nice and that's yeah. yours to keep and that's like, your version of it it's I think that's the nice bit yeah like even uh, this I remember like asking yes. them sorry I'm saying this as if people can see I'm just holding a copy <laughs> Um, because I had it to hand but like I remember when it was coming out people asked me if there was going to be a digital version and like virgin a version (laughs) (laughs) and I asked the publisher and they were like like you just wouldn't do a digital version of it because it's a book that you write in and it's a book that you Mm -hmm. scribble in and you Mm -hmm. do puzzles in and it's like it's not I don't yeah I don't really know Mm -hmm. what you would get out of a digital version unless you like you you're physically unable to like use a physical version for whatever reason or you need um a screen reader to read out and stuff like that which yeah. you know is obviously like needed but like remember puzzle books remember doing doctor puzzle books when mm. you're a kid like the little activity books and stuff like that's what i was really excited about when i was writing this because i was like it feels like that talking about physical tangible things that you can own this is the perfect kind of book to have because i mean again for anyone who can't see this i'm holding the doctor who quiz book it's the kind of thing you can have on your bedside table and go through in an evening and just do a couple questions and keep coming back to it and it is the perfect it's so reminiscent when i was looking through it it's so reminiscent to exactly what you were saying like do you remember the choose your own adventure books i think you were david tenancy or like the doctor who quizzes you'd get at the back of doctor adventures like it just brought me straight back to doing all of that except there's a couple harder questions in this I'll say that as well (laughs) (laughs) that's so nice yeah it's so nice to hear you say that because I think when you're when you're making something you're in your own little bubble and you're like well I'm doing what I think would suit everyone like I wanted to make sure there's something for most people in there but I guess like you are just influenced by what you've grown up with so in my head I was like I want to have like quizzes to find out which companion you are for like just for fun like a BuzzFeed quiz Mm. or a crossword or you know I would have liked to have done like a Sudoku or something but we just like didn't have the I don't think we really Mm. had the time but yeah no I think that's definitely maybe in the back of my mind somewhere that inspiration came from all those books I've consumed and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many books consumed where did the dream come from how did this all come about the idea of making a quiz book was this like a lifelong childhood dream of always <laughs> wanting to write your own book was that something you used to do you know like on Microsoft Word I always used to write my own stories and design yeah. the front page and I'd probably waste a lot of ink as well printing <laughs> as well I'm just like God, when I was a kid I used to print off the you just reminded me the um you know the Doctor Who wallpapers for your desktop that the website would put up yeah yes so I'd, like, absolutely print off all the pictures that were the desktop but you know like when you print on an A4 page it goes half of the page so it would just be like 
the top half of the page could be like Cassandra or something and then I write like a description or like a piece of writing or like some notes and be like this is Cassandra <laughs> you were doing alt text before it was needed <laughs> I mean I, I just it must have been I don't even really know why I think I must have been trying to print them to like put up I was quite an odd kid I was like keep things in folders and I would collect like newspaper cutouts and like you know all oh, the I pictures to I, I totally could. get that though I get that yeah, that resonates with me on some level yeah. yeah, I think I did always want to write. I, yes, I definitely always wanted to write a Doctor Who book. And like, I think if you were like, what is your dream thing that you have always wanted to do? It would be to, to write a Doctor Who book. And I wrote like stories when I was a kid. I wrote like a Rose Tyler spin off like thing. Like, oh, I love one. that. Um, things like that. And and then when I was in like year one, I won like a story competition because I, I wrote a book about uh, a character called the runaway hamburger. Uh. I can't really remember <laughs> anything about it, other than that, but it sounds really fun. And, and then I, I think like when I grew up, I just had like such a shit time in school and growing up and stuff. I just stopped writing really. Like I didn't even realize I liked it because mm. I was just like not in a good place like in my teens mm -hmm. and then when I started doing the time ladies I that was sort of a fluke because I was like I want I just want to create like a space where like I feel comfortable existing as a Doctor Who fan and for other women and non-binary people and stuff like that to feel comfortable um mm. and, then that's, and then I was just like writing things for the blog and I was like oh I like writing that's something that I like and it's yeah. really weird when you suffer with like hard teenage years or mental health stuff like when you find something you like when you're growing into an adult you're like oh shit like I actually well guys I actually enjoy doing something like yeah. this mm -hmm. um and I think like from there I straight away was like okay like I want to I want to write about Doctor Who like and I want to do it professionally like if possible and I've always wanted to you know write a book mm -hmm. and I was always like coming up with ideas and I I never really like found the right time to pitch anything to any publishers or anything like that um and then when I was coming up with pictures and stuff last year because my goal last year was like I came into the new year and I was like, this year I'm going to write a Doctor Who book. Don't know how it's going to happen, but like, I will. And then I was writing up pictures and stuff. And then like all of a sudden in out of the blue, like a publisher just contacted me and was like, do you want to write a Doctor Who book? Wow. Oh <laughs> it's kind of really weird. Um, they just contacted me and they were like, we have a Doctor Who writing opportunity. Would you be interested? And I was like, it was kind of odd because I knew that the publisher didn't have the Doctor Who license. Yeah. Like the the publisher was Bonnier. Um, but I did know that Bonnier were like a well-known publisher and I was like okay like I'll see what this is and we ended up having a conversation and she was like we need a quiz book and we want it to be like our Christmas gift book so I guess the company every year they do like a consumer uh, I guess like a, a gift book that is representative of something that's like popular at the time so the year before mm. they did Bridgerton um, similar book but it was Bridgerton and I think she must have heard about Shooty and David and everything like that and she the way she described it was like you know I know that there are three specials at the end of the year and Shooty's just been announced David Tennant's coming back like you know would you write us a book we really want to do a Doctor Who um, quiz book thing and I was like this sounds fake <laughs> like <laughs> this is too good to be yeah, true yeah yeah basically um and then she like the first thing she said was how would you do it and so I mm -hmm. basically just got to like choose exactly how I would do it and send her back like a description and then we just sort of went from there and I think they just they were looking for a fan to write a book that would connect with fans nice. um and yeah she just I don't really know she just asked me to do it and I said yes <laughs> it's amazing that's um, amazing thank you yeah I mean I had been doing a few 
I mean, I've been trying to do more doctor writing. So I was writing for the Radio Times and stuff like that. So I like to think that that sort of helps my yeah. name, like my name come up for her or whatever it was. But um, yeah, it was a very um, quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Did you get to keep most of your ideas? Did it change a lot? What what you'd kind of suggested, what they came back with? Not like I could do whatever I wanted. Like it was all... Wow. I mean, I was, I was like, I, I, it's one of those things where you're kind of like, wow, this is a lot. But also, I was like made for this, you know, like, <laughs> I know exactly what yeah. I would do. And the only, the, really, the only, only kind of specification that she gave me was um, they want it to be accessible so that it will appeal to as many people as possible. Yeah. Which I was mm-hmm. like, that's great because I'm all about that. Um, they wanted it to be kind of like personal as well. So that's why we, we wanted to do the, there's like a little before every chapter there's like a page and a half of me just like chatting about Doctor Who um so like on the Dalek chapter I sort of talk about what the Daleks are and what they mean and like all sorts of stuff like that so it meant that I actually got to talk about my love for Doctor Who as well as like write quiz questions and write puzzles Mm. and stuff like that and so yeah really that the only specifications were like we want it to be 15 chapters and we want it to be easy medium hard and we want puzzles in there like that was kind of it so then I was kind of like well and she went how would you do it and I was like well you know you know, like the easy answer would be to go by doctor but if you go by doctor you're gonna alienate like people straight away because a lot of people mm. haven't seen classic who so, like they're gonna open the book and skip to the back anyway or or the other way around like there might be people who are classic who fans and wouldn't read the end of it you know what I mean so I was like if we split it into categories that make sense to people it's going to be easier to digest so you have mm. companions you have the doctor you have the Daleks like really simple easy categories and then you know because I, I got to choose what I wanted to do it was really it's really it was really nice because I was just like well I want to do a chapter about alien worlds and I want to do a chapter about spin-offs kind of which is called defenders of the earth it's just about like all of the doctor's friends on earth um mm. and then I got to you know add redacted questions in there like you know the, the people that hired me to do this didn't know anything about doctor who yeah. um so I could I have have completely free reign and it I got to be involved in like every part of it and you know I was like at the end of the day my name's on the front of this so I need this to be perfect in the exact way I would do it and they were Mm. totally happy with that so yeah Mm it's really really nice I mean reading it as a fan it is so apparent to me that this was written not by a company trying to like grab interest for the show or something like this was written by a fan for fans and I think for me I love like how far the book goes into different things obviously there's like the typical question answers but then also like the mini games and stuff I love the one I think it's history mystery the one where you're pairing the historical um figure into the episode they were in and little things like that there's just so many different areas it reaches even within a chapter like within the topic of a chapter there's so many different things that it covers and it just really keeps you engaged as a fan and like throws you back to like all of the classic quiz books we were saying about but also really challenges you as well like there's there's a lot of hard questions you put in here as well <laughs> so that I found that really really great oh I'm glad you said that because I I mean I tend like I tend not to read the reviews all the time but there was one review on Amazon that was like the person that wrote this clearly does not care about Doctor Who and just had the <laughs> easiest question there was not one question in this book that I couldn't answer and I was like maybe you should go outside there yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I honestly that final chapter I tested it on my friend that I know that knows Doctor Who the the best who who works very closely with Doctor Who and I knew that like this was the person to test on and they found some of them hard so I was like okay that's when yeah. you know you've got a good balance like you know the first chapter is so easy and almost like silly easy but 
you want everyone to be able to find something in there you know like my my friend's mum came over and was reading it like I want her to be able to mm. know who played the six dollars do you know what I mean like yeah. it's, it's not fun if you do you know what I mean like it's yeah. just not fun if there's not variation in there and mm. I thought you know that also made it easier for me to split up the chapters as well because I was like well you know I think most people know everything about the Doctor and the Companions but maybe not everything about Gallifrey like Gallifrey is clearly the hardest chapter <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I found that I find Gallifrey so confusing but <laughs> we've got a great group to test it on I was going to say from the time team and the time ladies you know quite a lot in the who community now who've actually gone on to do quite a lot of Doctor Who projects as well which is pretty cool it's nice kind of like because me and Sam are quite new to like being in the who community and around kind of equally who obsessed people like i mean we've only been doing this for like six months or so mm. it's very nice <laughs> to just be around people who are just like this passionate about like you know the niche bits of like mm. doctor who and characters who were in it for one episode and you know mm. all of that so <laughs> i mean you had more than a few people i guess to go to as well to like test us out with who are you know real who aficionados yeah it's it was a weird one because at first i was like I mean, like, really, I didn't want anybody else's input in the sense that I just wanted to know that I could do it myself. Mm -hmm. Because I think I've been told so often in the Doctor Who world that I don't know enough or that I'm not a true fan, especially when I did the Time Ladies. Like, the amount of people that were just really, <laughs> you know, it's it's especially hard to, like, be a, a woman in Doctor Who fandom, I think. And we were always questioned and always told, like, that we weren't, didn't know enough and just, like, Mm. you know never offered the same opportunities and stuff as like mm. maybe other people that were guys and things like that and so I just really wanted to like prove to myself that I could do it and then it it wasn't anything that it wasn't me that was like a bad fan or a bad person it was just these other people so like I, I really didn't show many people until I finished it mm -hmm. to be honest like I didn't really test it on people my partner went through most everything with me um just because he's also a message or two fan and we live together mm. and he was just like let me know if things made sense um and obviously the path letter didn't know anything about Doctor Who, so I couldn't really test anything <laughs> on that. But, um, yeah, I don't actually, it's weird. I don't actually think I really tested on anyone other than my partner and maybe my housemate until it was like literally done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was a really, really quick turnaround as well. So it was quite hard. It was like I had to write in about six weeks. Wow. So I couldn't oh, really wow. just like send, yeah, like I couldn't be like, oh, by the way, like, can you just read this entire chapter? Like I didn't really have time to actually show mm. people um so you know it's yeah but I did have a little party when I brought it out and I had loads of friends around and then they all got to be tested on it it was kind of uh... fun because it, um, it was nice to see that I hadn't like messed it up and they would they you know I didn't I didn't want everyone to be able to just get all the questions right mm, yeah <laughs> was, was the party walking around with the squiz book and just you were like welcome to the party now sit down we are doing <laughs> school is in session and we are doing the quiz <laughs> yeah it actually was quite funny because my friend David was like if you're having a party we have to do some of the book and I hadn't really thought about it because I was just like I just want to like it was my birthday as well so I was like I just want to have a few drinks and celebrate mm. all of this stuff um and then my friend David was like no we have to have an actual quiz um <laughs> so we kind of took it in turns like we went like went up against each other like two people at a time and yeah that was quite funny to see and yeah when it started to come out it was it was really scary I was like yeah. oh god like what if people are going to think it's too easy what if people are going to think it's too hard what if people what if I've made a mistake? I think there's like a couple of mistakes in the book that are like issues that were like formatting issues. Like maybe the, the publisher would change the mm -hmm. questions around and then didn't match up to the answers and things like that. Mm. I don't think factually I got anything massively wrong unless I just haven't noticed. <laughs> Some people, I guess, are, are very 
precious about who to an unhealthy degree <laughs> and in a way which I guess makes it a little less fun for everyone else you know when people jump to correct or criticize or get quite nasty about something that as I think we all agree is objectively quite ridiculous in the first place right but <laughs> kind of we're here out of a shared love of yeah. anyway and I think yeah I think we should talk about the time ladies a bit as well because of I think the need that you saw absolutely to create a safe space for female Doctor Who fans particularly mm-hmm. and how that came about and and your experiences with that as well yeah I mean it really came about because and I'm going to try not to be like too negative because like it was such I mean obviously I don't I don't do it anymore the time ladies but and it was one of the best experiences of my life like Mm. I wouldn't really have a writing career now if it wasn't for that um but I made it because I just like didn't really feel like there was a platform or that I would just like I just didn't really see myself anywhere like when so I guess when I when I first created it and I started it with actually four people and then it sort of went down to two it was just a group of us who were like we don't really massively see ourselves in a lot of fandom spaces I think at the time really the only women that were doing Doctor Who like platform stuff were like the Verity podcast and Whovian Feminism mm-hmm. um, who were great but they were all American so I was like this is just going to be my take and, and actually it was mostly just for me to just like talk about Doctor Who and I knew I think at that point that I wanted to write about Doctor Who and I wanted to make a blog and I was like well why not make it somewhere where I can include other people to do it too because Mm. wasn't I just wasn't seeing that anywhere there was so so much so many blogs and YouTube channels and websites that were all just run by men and I knew that there were women out there that like Doctor Who so I was just kind of confused by it Mm. and at the time when I started it, it was the beginning of 2017 so Jodie hadn't been announced yet and really the only stuff like the only stuff we had was like Bill was the companion and Sarah Dollard and Rachel Slayla. That was really the only, you know, source mm-hmm. of like oh, women in Doctor Who. Um, yeah. And I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about stuff that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Like I wanted to, what we started to do at the beginning was like, I would do like makeup tutorials for like, cause I worked as a makeup artist at the time. Um, so I was like, you know, how to do the rose look or whatever, or like a cosplay thing. Or um, I think I did an article towards the beginning about women's bodies in Doctor Who because nobody was talking about that. Or if they were, like mm. we would just get shouted at for talking about it. But you know, yeah. let's talk about how Clara's hips are too big or whatever it is that's said in the show mm. um, and how it affects people and stuff. And I just wasn't seeing that content anywhere else. So that's sort of why it started. Um, and then it was kind of an accident, really, because it, you know, I think we started it in March 2017 and then Jodie was announced in July 2017. And immediately everyone was coming to us because they we were the only female, like they, they were coming to us and maybe like human, human feminism and a couple of other people like Emily Cook and stuff. They're really the only women in fandom that like mm. BBC Radio could contact and get to talk about Doctor Who like they didn't really want the same guys anymore to talk about what a female doctor means or whatever it was. So it suddenly blew up quite a lot, like within the first few months. Mm. Um, just, yeah, it's just really crazy. Yeah. How did you find it after, say, Jodie was announced and you suddenly were getting all these people interested in women's voices talking about Doctor Who? How did you find the change there compared to, say, before when it had only ever been male doctors? Honestly, like, my memory is, like, quite hazy because I think a lot of it, like, came with a lot of anxiety. So I think I've, like, pushed it to the back of my mind a little bit. And, mm. and my friend that I did the blog with, we both, like, have quite a... PTSD almost reaction to some stuff <laughs> the yeah. but we do genuinely react in like quite like a bad way if we're reminded of certain stuff but it was really hard at times yeah um I, th- I I think I just remember like all of a sudden we were getting BBC radio would contact us or that uh 
we were invited to stuff um people wanted to send us stuff like products and it i we started getting sent products i think before jelly was announced so it was like immediately people could see the needs for this like platform to help promote stuff and whatever um the change was quite weird though because i look back at it at the time i was like well this is just super needed like this is super relevant we should be the type of people that are talking about doctor who like alongside all you know alongside all the amazing people that have always done it but also like add us to the mix too and mm. um all that sort of thing and i look back on, on it now and there's a few things where i'm like oh they just they they just tokenized us a little bit like these people just wanted me to talk about my experience as a woman in doctor who or what mm. a female doctor means but then like I've, I've just noticed that like a lot of women aren't really offered the same longevity and fandom as like men are. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like, well, you were important during that bit of that era yeah. because you spoke about your experiences and it wasn't really until I started writing for the radio times. And I realized they, you know, they were actually interested in just me writing about Doctor Who, you know, I mm-hmm. got to do like a review of um, Worlds of Wonder and I got to do a redacted article. And I was like, okay, that made me think, okay, finally, like someone doesn't just want me to write about my identity, you know. Mm. Um, I'm happy to do that, but I've just done that so much. It's, there's only really so much you can say about what a female doctor means to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I look back at it with like, I mean, within the first few months, first year of doing the Time Ladies, I was asked to write for the I newspaper and the New Statesman. Like, those are really massive things I mm. never thought I'd get to do mm. and really, really push like my i think i did some work for the official doctor who website as well and things like that where i was like this wow. is an absolute dream come true like this is what i've always wanted to do um and then it stopped and then you know it stopped after a bit people almost mm. got like a bit i think we were getting more and more anxious and upset and like, angry and we were continually like facing a lot of shit and then that culminated in like people getting angry at us for being angry and then it came mm. to a point where like in beginning of lockdown i was like i'm not feeling good I'm not mm. feeling good like my friend that I was doing it with had basically already stopped we'd stopped doing our podcast we just weren't doing stuff as much and I was like the one thing I can't do during this beginning of this pandemic is force myself to do something I don't really want to do no. um and yeah like there I, I would never change any of it because I think that getting to do the stuff that we did was amazing yeah and for the most part I think everybody who asked us to do stuff their hearts were completely in the right place um just there's just some things where I'm like oh I just you know I wonder if they wanted me to do that because it was me as a person or was Mm -hmm. it just like because I was a woman to write about Doctor Who you know and and does it really matter as long as I got to do it I don't really know (laughs) it's just a thing I think about yeah do do you feel like the conversations improved at all now do you think you know do you feel like at at all like thinking about you can do kind of a barometer check on the Who community now I mean it's difficult Mm -hmm. to say right I mean like Twitter's a hellhole at the best of times and that's where (laughs) most of us kind of dwell yeah so it's hard to know but um I don't know what's your kind of sense on it yeah, I mean, it is very difficult to say because there are so many different sides to yeah. Who fandom. And the main way I experience Doctor Who fandom is through Twitter and through yeah. the timelines and through all the things that I've done. What I would say is that I see a lot of women on my Twitter going through the exact same things I did. And mm. then I'll have I'll be trying to some of them be like, yeah, I went through this exact same thing. Whether it's like being harassed or being like groomed or like, you know, just like all of these different... I, I'm almost like sometimes I feel like sad because I was like what I really wanted to do at the time this was like help stop things like that happening mm, mm. and I don't really know whether we did or whether it even helped the landscape at all um but in other ways it's like there are so many more women noticeably on my timeline now or since yeah. Jodie's era so that's obviously a great thing mm. like so mm. many young queer women as well and 
um, I've made loads of friends with loads of women in the who community. So I think it's it's like there's always going to be hard parts of it, and I try not to get too upset about it sometimes because I I see a lot of stuff on Twitter where I'm like, wow, nothing has changed. Like just even the way like um, Suze Kempner was being treated the other day, mm-hmm. just for being announced as being part of Doctor Who, and I just thought, well, it's a wonder that women really even stay with it. To be honest, like the way <laughs> that they're treated, or I see the way that people respond to some female Doctor Who fans mm. on Twitter and I'm like god like no wonder we're all angry and then we're not allowed to be angry like people get angry at us for being angry and mm-hmm. I think that's the mm. worst part is that I don't even feel comfortable talking about this for example on Twitter mm. because yeah. I think a lot of people just labeled me as angry. I think that what is most notable at least when I who obviously can't have the same experiences as like yourself and other women go through in the Who community when looking at your body of work from the Radio Times and even like within the sections of your quiz book and everything, it is just so noticeable how important what you're talking about is. And like my my friend Ellie, my childhood friend, who's not really involved in like Doctor Who Twitter and stuff now, she kind of drifted off the show. We were just talking about um, Doctor Who and stuff recently and she knows that we've been doing this podcast. And she said, she said that she really wants to come on at some point to talk about being a woman in a Doctor Who fandom because, and again, as someone who's not really in it right now, a big thing she felt growing up was that she didn't feel like she could take up the same amount of space a male Doctor Who fan might be taking up. And I think it made her feel quite alone in that regard. And I think that might be in part part of the reason why she drifted away from the show. And looking at your body of work, even if you're not doing the Time Lady and stuff anymore, it, to me, who isn't experiencing those things directly, really puts a spotlight on it and makes it known because it needs to be something talked about and it needs to be loud and it needs to be something that people are aware of and it 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 makes me really happy to hear like you said about seeing just more women on your timeline and I'm seeing the same thing as someone who's quite new to like Doctor Who Twitter and stuff seeing just how many female trans non-binary queer Doctor Who fans are vocal like I didn't realize how queer the Doctor Who community was really until I came back into it in my adulthood and voices like yours as a part of the fandom aren't just like great they're necessary and they're impressive and it like we're just so grateful to have you talk about it on the podcast because that's kind of our mo with what we wanted this podcast to be is maybe not having the same people who always talk about the same things and always getting the loudest voice it's people who need to be heard so we're really grateful to like have you chat about these kinds of things thank you and i think yeah what you were just saying about your friend as well is that what i found really hard that like is mentally really heavy and like has really contributed to like poor mental health for me is when I was a kid I didn't really fit in anywhere and Doctor Who was really a massive deal for me it was kind of like one of the only things I really had and I and I so I I clung to Doctor Who as a coping mechanism because I didn't I found it really hard to make friends and I uh, just found life very difficult for a multitude Mm. of reasons went through a lot of trauma and stuff and then when I grew like as I was growing up I was really severely like bullied bullied for like dot who, bullied for being overweight, bullied for whatever, everything you can get bullied for as a kid. And then when I got older and I, when I was sort of transitioning from a teen, like when I was leaving school, I kind of really got into Doctor Who fandom. I was really like not in a, I, I had been in like a bad relationship and it was just, I really threw myself into, into online fandom. And I think the, one of the things I struggle with the most is that like when the only community you want to be accepted in yeah. doesn't want you, when that's the only thing you've ever had is really difficult and that's something I still really struggle with and that's why sometimes I I feel like um even though I'm doing Doctor Who stuff sometimes I really question it and question yeah. whether I should be doing it. I mean like 
many women that I know have had to completely step away from Doctor Who for either a long period of time or forever because of mm. how badly it's impacted them, just how that they've been treated or what they've experienced. And even growing up being a Doctor Who fan, I was always told like it's a boys thing. Like you're a weirdo for liking this thing. My even my family, like I mean, I wrote a little bit in the in my acknowledgements to, to to my auntie to be like, you know, thank you for accepting that I and and encouraging this hobby. I mean, she passed away years and years ago now, but again, like Doctor Who got me through that. And um, to always be told when you're a child that you're weird for liking this thing and it's a boys thing, you're not allowed to then like come into it, it as an adult and it's sort of still be that way but from people inside the fandom is so weird I know. and the worst part is that I like I don't really think that most of the community really understands that that's happening like I think mm. a lot of people and I'm not just saying like men I think generally people don't understand like the is microaggressions the right word but like the sexism that happens yeah. without people even realizing it's happening I've got to say, I feel like I've been truly quite naive to a lot of it because I think I've been quite lucky in that I think I've been able to steer clear of some of it a lot of the time. Mm. And I think from my perspective, quite naively, it has maybe seemed like, you know, a lot more of a, a, a positive and progressive place than perhaps it always is. Yeah. And I think that me and Sam probably benefit, of course, that, you know, as, as much as being queer, we are two white men speaking on a podcast and we probably are the faces you expect to see on a fan podcast and so you know I think that you know is a privilege in itself so it's it's difficult I think you know and it's sad to hear because Doctor Who especially really should be everyone's space because you know I think the way I've seen it and part of the reason we really love it is that it is for the weird kids like <laughs> Doctor yeah. Who I think is like it's it, for the, it, the kids yeah. who like to collect the sticker books and everything else like that's and, and who celebrate that as adults right and still yeah. enjoy that being a, a part of our lives and a hobby that we still celebrate I think and and don't you know and, and enjoy that quite freely so yeah. it is really sad to, to hear that because I think it really should be everyone's space to kind of enjoy quite proudly and shamelessly in whatever way they want to and yeah. whichever parts of the show they enjoy the most and and you know and, and gets into that really yeah and I have to say like it isn't always like that like I think it really depends what you're interacting with because mm. there's all sorts of sides to talk to who found them. There's like a cosplay community. There's like fan fiction communities. There's Twitter communities. There's all sorts of generations of fans. Yeah. And for me, like the, I, the way that I enjoy Doctor Who now is so different. I took a really long break from it, like over the pandemic and completely readjusted my relationship to Doctor Who. Mm. Um, and I think that, it, that like there is so much positivity within it it's just I think once you've been burnt by like what I found is that even though there are a lot of the time the way I'm experiencing Doctor Who now is more positive than negative because I've tailored my the way that I talk about Doctor Who is that I, I don't really post about it on social media that much anymore or if I do it's only positive stuff I don't really tweet about my opinions especially not negative ones because it's just not worth it um and I just really have a very close-knit group of friends that are all Doctor Who fans who I just talk about Doctor Who with or I watch Doctor Who with um, and then I like read the books and stuff and that's like my way of enjoying the show I think it's once you've been burnt like a few times it really yeah. sticks with you and it's hard yeah. to come back on into the world of Doctor Who and, and like I see so much positivity all the time and so much progression and so many new people and so many like what I've noticed recently is just like a lot of discussions that really needed to be had that like people are having it's not really the, the most I mean Twitter's not the best way to be having these conversations but I'm seeing people talk about things where I'm like oh, you know what it's good that people are bringing that up and so, like, for the most part, I think that things probably are slightly more positive than maybe they were in, like, 2016. But I mm. think it just really depends. Because when I first came into it, there was, I mean, really, I was within a massive group of girls that were all Clara fans. Like, that was how I really was in my fandom in 20, 
13 to 16, 17 was like, we were all Clara cosplayers. We were like, just love Clara. We love 12 Clara. We love, you know, it was like, there were so many, so many women. So I think it just really depends how you're experiencing it, how you experience it and like how you deal with the shit that you have to deal with. Like, I think that sometimes I just have to take like big steps away from it and experience it in my own way because otherwise the whole show is just tainted by like bad experiences. And yeah. it's obviously mm-hmm. like not everyone is bad and there's places like Gallifrey Cabaret and you know, there's really, really good sides to Doctor Who that are really enjoyable. It's just hard, you need, like, it's just really hard to let go of those, like, really difficult yeah, things yeah. to do with it. Thinking ahead to kind of the new era, which is, you know, unbelievably almost upon us, I think we're kind of eight months away now, from the specials and Doctor Who kind of potentially going pretty mainstream again. What is the kind of stuff that you'd like to see on screen, stuff that hasn't been done before, particularly in terms of kind of changes you might want to see in terms of the way that women are represented on the show, um, places we haven't explored, whatever that might mean to you. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you hoping we'll get a bit more of this time around? Yeah, I think, God, that's such a hard question because like there's just so much, like we just have really no idea, do we? Um, I think that, I mean, like it's going to be weird to um, go from having like the first female doctor to having two male doctors again. Mm. Um, and I'd just like to see that, like, I would like to see a change in how male doctors are written. Because mm-hmm. I guess, mm. you know, it's been a very long time since we've had a man play the doctor. It's been since the end of 2017. Um, and I just want to see a really, like, more modern and progressive version of a male doctor. I mean, like, I think Doctor Who generally and the doctor as a character is quite progressive. Like, we know that. But um, I want there to be less of the casual sexism as there was in maybe, like, past <laughs> eras, which is it's a product of its time so whatever um but you know I I really hope that we have and I think that we probably will have like women take the spotlight as much as the male doctor you know that's something I'm really hanging on to I guess because like the reason I started enjoying Doctor Who in the first place was because of how um how strong those female characters were and I feel that's a really overused word to say a strong female character but how I guess how like impressive Rose was and how relatable she was and I really want to see more of that in rtd2 and i'm sure we will get that yeah um not r2d2 i know i keep <laughs> i say it so fast sometimes i literally say r2d2 um <laughs> i also just want to see like doctor who go to places that's really never gone before like i shooty was talking about in an interview about i think going to africa um mm-hmm. for, yeah. for something i can't remember what it was and i was like yeah like just tell more new stories from like just something completely different I just want something completely different and I'd like it to be I don't know how to explain I just would like there to be more diversity in in stories that we maybe haven't seen like something I loved about the Chibnall era was how many places in the world we went to like we were always in like it was always so global I'd like to see Mm -hmm. I'd like to see that in RTD too. I really hope that we continue the momentum that we saw in Jodie's um, era and Chibnall's era, where I always, in my mind, compare the Shakespeare Code to Rosa, where when Martha, who was the first like full-time black companion, said like, "Oh, am I going to be okay here?" and David Tennant's doctor just kind of was like, "Oh, like, just walk around like you own the place." And it was obviously written and like acted very like from the like white male perspective. And then seeing the difference in that between like Rosa, obviously it was Chibnall's era, but I can tell that it was so, there were so many more women involved in those stories and so many more people of color and people bring their own history and sort of experiences to those episodes. And it made you, it much more believable as an audience member, but it really like made you stop and think and put yourself in their shoes. And I really hope that 
for queer people, for women, through all different minorities and stuff, that we get to go to so many different places, but also hear behind the scenes so many people's stories through what's happening in the episode and through the characters that are in there. So that's kind of what I'm hoping we see in the next era. Yeah, I think behind the scenes is like a massive thing, actually. Like, I, I really hope that we get a writer's room where it's really collaborative across the stories, because I think that, like, even if you're a male writer that's written the best story in the world, like you could always have someone else's opinion that, you know, like mm-hmm. about the women. Like I just like, I really hope that it's really, because I think Chibnall's writer's room is quite collaborative across episodes. Like I think like Vinay Patel came up with the title for Arachnids in the UK and things like that. Like I want there to be that. And if we get any spin-offs as well, I like really writer's room, you know, all different kinds of voices to create the best story. Um, because I think, the thing is that I guess like behind the scenes it's very easy to just like not really you know front facing we can see that we've got like a female companion and you know the first male doctor of colour and possibly queer doctor but I'm not sure um and stuff like that but it's like really matters behind the scenes as well you know Mm -hmm. so I really hope we get a lot of um just new 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 stuff new voices behind the scenes Exactly. Because I guess, yeah, as well as a writer, there have been very few female writers of Doctor Who have been credited at least, you know, if you look back at, I think especially RTD1, I don't know if there was any female writers in that era. And yeah, I mean, there was one or two. One. Yeah. Helen Rayner wrote Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution okay. of the Daleks. I think that might actually be it, though, I'm not sure. I've seen some pie charts, <laughs> which were pretty damning. And yeah, I think a lot of that I mean, was was largely, I guess, due to having three male showrunners who wanted to write a lot of their own episodes, I think especially RTD. Mm. And so I think you're right, it'll be interesting to see how do they tackle that because the opportunities in the writer's room are mm. so important as well to help people break into the industry because Doctor Who is such a big machine now as well, I think, for giving people new opportunities too. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that and who kind of, you know, it'd be nice to know that people got their start in who. People who yeah. were fans then, who are adults now, who are maybe beginning in the industry. Well, yeah, so that's so what I was about to say. Yeah, like think yeah. about the people we got in 2005 were fans of Classic Who that started writing in the 90s when Doctor Who was on air and then they got the opportunity to, to write it. There's mm. a whole new generation of people now who are at that age where they should be writing the new Doctor Who, you know, new whether it's like the TV show or spin-offs or books or whatever it is, like that like we're all at the right age now like everyone <laughs> I know I mean like I think wants wants to right? because yeah. all of the people that that brought it back were this age you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. so it'd be interesting to see what what kind of new stuff they bring in and I guess who it's it's kind of an odd one isn't it because we've sort of gone back in the sense that we we have a showrunner that's already sort of done it and and Julian Jane have already done it, Phil Collins, and a lot of they brought back have already done it. So I'd be interested to see who they bring in that hasn't already done it, because I think that's where Doctor Who will shine, you know, having that mm. collaboration between the two, like people that really know how to run Doctor Who, but also it can't always be that, you know, bit mm-hmm. of both. Yeah. That would be exciting, whatever happens then. I mean, like, I just feel like this, I just feel like nobody really knows what's happening, and there's so much <laughs> possibility it's yeah. exciting to see it play out. I'm yeah, excited. We were saying even in regards to like uh, the score and the soundtrack for the 60th, maybe I can see the 60th being like a real big nostalgia trip and a nod to the past. And obviously we know that Russell's going to be doing um, series 14 as well going on from that. But with the music, we feel like it'd be great. You know, you've got David Tennant back, got Catherine Tate back to have maybe like Murray Gold's iconic soundtrack for that duo and for those episodes. But then 
because he's got such a plethora of amazing music already, there are so many people, we see them on Twitter all the time and on YouTube, people who are scoring, I mean, our theme made by Dalekium, so many people who are fans of the show growing up, exactly like you said, are now making products that are as good, if not better sometimes, than what you see on the show. And I'm so excited to hopefully see those people be getting the opportunities to shape Doctor Who in the way that like we as a community want it to be made, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's dive into some Twitter questions. Uh, Alistair, do you want to jump with the first one? Uh, yes. Ethan says, it was so lovely to meet you at Gallifrey Cabaret Beth. Um, My question is, are there any other types of Doctor Who books you'd like to write or any books in general and why? Uh, yes. The answer is I want to write all the books. <laughs> um, I, I mean, look, I would write any Doctor Who book, to be honest. I would like to do, um, I'd like to do a novel or like a novelization. Um, or I'd like to write a short story anthology, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, but but I I mean I love Doctor Who so much. I have so many book ideas. I would I mean I'd write nonfiction. I'd write fiction. Like there's nothing about Doctor Who that I probably wouldn't write about, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I mean it'd be nice to like be one of one of the one of the novels, like the tie-in novels, if they bring those back or something like that. Um, and I'd like to do more storytelling, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I I haven't had a lot of fiction published. So it'd be great get some Doctor Who fiction published um maybe officially that's like the the next dream um and yeah I mean book wise I have a million novel ideas every day it's just having the time to sit down and (laughs) write them um I would definitely like to I mean the thing my thing is I just really love writing all things I would be happy to write anything I just need to refine my my path and my ideas because I I have so many things I want to do really nice. so um but I mean I think most of all I'd just like to carry on writing Doctor Who stuff that would that's just a dream that's so exciting that's so good well it, on the line of that Nick was saying what did you find most difficult about writing your own book um I think like for me particularly with this book it was like the fear of getting something wrong because if I was just writing my own novel or my own book about anything else there's no fear of getting it wrong because it's your own thing but Doctor Who is something that has a really long and vast and detailed and law heavy history that I wasn't alive for all of (laughs) and um and I actually don't think it's possible for everyone to know everything about Doctor Who no matter what people say um and Mm -hmm. so my my biggest fear was really just getting something wrong and like maybe like just ruining it for someone or or maybe proving to those people that always told me that like I wasn't a good enough fan that like I was going to get it wrong you know but um I feel like there's always room for mistakes for these things. I don't really know how it's possible to know all the Doctor Who things. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, yeah, that was the hardest bit. And I think writing it in six weeks was quite hard. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. And then the final question from Will is, what is your favourite book? Is that like your favourite Doctor Who book or favourite book generally? I think it means any book. Oh, I'd say God. any book. <laughs> I mean, The Handmaid's Tale was like the first thing that came to mind um, because that was oh. a book that like, I'm not really good with favourite books, to be honest, because I read a lot of books and I forget things quite easily when it comes to books because I just read them so fast. Yeah. The Handmaid's Tale is something that like when I read it a few years ago really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really like iconic feminist story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I'm trying to think of a good, like a Doctor Who book. Actually, do you know what is like my favourite, favourite, favourite book that I've decided is my favourite book? Juno mm. Dawson's book, Her Majesty's Royal Coven. Um, mm. I actually would say that was my favourite book. 
it is just it's so it's one of those books where like Juno Dawson is an incredible writer it's about witches which is just like really up my street and it's um got just so much so many diverse stories in it and um, also it's like just got like Doctor Who references in it it's just like you <laughs> nice. know you read something by someone like that and you're like it's kind of you know I'm obsessed with um Lockwood and Co at the moment which is a show on Netflix and it's uh the episodes written by Joy Wilkinson at Ed Heim and it's just like you know when you're like you can tell mm. when a Doctor Who writer's got their hands on something um so I would actually say Handmaid's Tale or Her Majesty's Royal Coven. And then I'm trying to think if there's a Doctor Who book. I read many Doctor Who books. I really like the Rose novelization, to be honest. Yeah, That's really good. Right. I've got that the one that really sticks with it. me. Yeah. Yeah. For me, with that one, it's the deep dive into what was the name of the electrician? What was it? What was it called? Wilson. What Wilson was doing the money? Like, what was his lottery oh, scheme? Like, the, the deep detail, dive into the that. The detail in the lottery scheme is. We wild. all needed that. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. <laughs> New law unlocked. Oh, well, uh, Beth, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Hula. I, it, I think a lot of the stuff we've covered today, it, it's so important for people to hear and i'm really grateful that you've sort of felt safe to come into our space and sort of chat about it so thank you so much and thank you for giving us the best quiz book ever as well i know oh i'm so glad you guys like it (laughs) honestly we do and like really really grateful for your time as well it's been so lovely talking to you very eye-opening as well and always lovely to have another fan in the room so it's not just (laughs) just us us too (laughs) Driving yeah. each other up the walls. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice chat. Oh. You're extremely welcome. Anytime. And do you have anything to promote anywhere that you want people to find you? Oh, um, you can find. I do a little Doctor Who illustrated poetry project thing, um, which mm-hmm. you can find on Instagram at Inked Who. Um, it's just basically where I write Doctor Who things, and then my friend illustrates them. Um, we do that sometimes, and then yeah, buy the quiz book if you like Doctor Who books. <laughs> by the quiz yes. book so I, I love <laughs> I love the illustration and the little poem that you guys did for the 18th anniversary that you posted recently that was that one was really fun yeah thank check you it out. yeah we um we've been doing it for a couple of years and we don't do it that often because like we just both don't have like a massive amount of time but I really wanted to do something for the, the anniversary and yeah it's good fun it's it's different it's like something I've never seen really anyone else do but I'm you know I'm sure it's not everyone's cup of tea but I really enjoy doing it so Oh, I love it. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hulala. Uh, please join the conversation. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Hulala Pod, or you can rewatch old episodes of the podcast also at Hulala Pod. And until next time, thanks so much, Beth. Bye bye.